Welcome to the weekly worship podcast from the Presbyterian Church in Morristown, where we pause our busy lives to dig deeper into our faith. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe, or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Let's listen to how God might speak to us today, and remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters. Our second reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 13, through chapter 4, verse 11. Hear God's words to us today. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered him, It's written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it's written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Will you pray with me? Grant, O God, that only the truth be spoken and only the truth heard. Amen. And I don't know about you, but the holidays feel like they have just flown by, and here we are already at the midpoint of January. Last week, we celebrated Epiphany Sunday, and so we picked up our star words after the service. Did everybody get one? It seems appropriate that when I reached into the basket and pulled out my word, the word I'm supposed to look out for and notice in the year ahead, I got the word evangelism. Seems fitting, and look out. (laughs) The word that's on my mind this morning, though, is temptation. And maybe the word righteousness is a close second. Temptation because after Christmas and after Epiphany, after the Magi returned to their own nations, and after Jesus and his family have returned to their own home, in Matthew's Gospel, we have a large gap in time until Jesus' baptism. And then his temptation in the wilderness. 
And the word righteousness, because Jesus says it's proper for John to baptize Jesus in this way to fulfill all righteousness. It seems to be one continuous scene. Jesus goes to John. John baptizes, heavens open, spirit descends, voice speaks, spirit leads, devil tempts. It's one movement after another. So maybe let's slow things down for a moment. The heavens open, and Jesus saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, is what the text says. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit up into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Isn't it curious how the Spirit descends and almost immediately leads Jesus into this time of temptation, of testing? It's it's almost as if he has no choice in the matter, and for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted, and afterward he was famished. When was the last time you were famished? I mean, not just hungry, but, but so weak and so empty. But you're just physically exhausted. Now multiply that by 40. And that's when the devil gets started. Now let's take a little pause for a moment because I don't know about you, but the whole devil talk thing in church makes me a bit nervous. When Christians start mentioning the devil or the enemy or Satan, it just makes me wonder, you know, what kind of Christian am I talking to here? But here he is in our story, the devil, the tempter. On the one hand, we've got that image of that smarmy, cunning little guy in red tights and a cape. But somehow I don't picture that guy out in the wilderness with Jesus when I, when I close my eyes and I play out this scene in my mind. Another image for the devil or Satan or more specifically the tempter is from Genesis. Do you remember the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Yes. Okay. Do you remember the image of the tempter in that story? It's a snake or a serpent. Now, I have not personally had the experience of a snake talking to me. And so it's hard for me to imagine a snake slithering up to Jesus and telling him to turn some stones into bread. But I do wonder, I wonder when it comes to temptation, if the tempter is more the voice in my own mind that says, it's okay, it's okay, go ahead and do that thing you know you're not supposed to do. It's okay, have another brownie, they're delicious. You'll just take a longer walk tomorrow or do an extra flight of stairs to make up for all those calories. Or am I the only one who does that? (laughs) I think when it comes to temptation, the tempter is the voice in our own mind, and we all experience it, don't we? And sometimes it's something small, like we tell ourselves, it's a new year, I'm going to eat right and exercise, but that brownie just proves too enticing and we can't resist it. Sometimes it's something bigger. Like when we tell ourselves, you know, it's a new year. 
I'm going to drink less and give up alcohol. I'm going to do a dry January. And I wonder how many people are finding themselves struggling with that temptation at the midpoint in this month, finding themselves realizing that it can be harder to resist that temptation than they'd thought. Sometimes it's even a bit bigger. A pastor friend of mine talked about one of his colleagues who was forced to leave the ministry. He said it started with a look. And the look became an attraction. And the attraction became an obsession. And the obsession led to an affair. In the book of James, we find these words. Everyone is tempted by their own cravings. They're lured away and enticed by them. James writes, once these cravings conceive, conceive, they give birth to sin. And when sin grows up, it gives birth to death. It's like there's an idea that comes into your mind. And you either say yes or you say no to it. When you say maybe, well, then you begin to consider it. Walter Wangerin, a Lutheran pastor, talked about the moment of the maybe. It's when you begin to consider doing that thing that you know you shouldn't do. It, it starts as, as the conception of an idea. It takes root. It's a possibility that gives birth to sin. And when sin grows up, it gives birth to death. It's how one drink can become a relapse. It's how one look can become an affair. It's the idea that sometimes we start to play with a possibility and say, maybe, that leads us to stray. Literally, the word for sin in Greek is hamartia. It's an archer's term that, that means to miss the mark. And when you stray long enough, or far enough, it's sin. And sin can lead to death. And that might not mean physical death, although I suppose there are some times when it could, but can, it can also maybe mean a, a spiritual death, a death to relationships, to careers, to hopes and dreams. It can even lead to a death of who we are. And who we're meant to be. When we speak of America's original sin, we speak of the sin of slavery. And you can look back into the history books and you see the excuses and the, the rationalizations, the misguided, the sinful ways we justified, the unjustifiable. How far we strayed, how, how long we strayed from what true righteousness demands of us. On this Martin Luther King weekend, we remember how he reserved his strongest words of condemnation for the silence of the moderate white Christian. Sin isn't just doing the wrong thing. It's not doing the right thing. And I think that's what temptation looks like. It's, it's not a silly little guy with red horns. It's that voice in your head that tells you, hey, it's okay. Hey, if you're the son of God, just turn these stones to bread. 
I mean, you've been out here in the wilderness for 40 days. You're starving right now. What kind of God would want the Son, the Beloved, to suffer like this? Of course, that's if you are the Son of God. I don't know. Maybe you're not. Maybe you should, maybe you should turn these stones to bread and find out. In a way, Matthew's gospel has been preparing Jesus and maybe even us for this moment. I mean, think back. Matthew begins with a genealogy, right? An account of Jesus' ancestors from the time of Abraham. So-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so. And there's this season, then, that we just made our way through, the account of Jesus' birth, how Mary became pregnant by the Holy Spirit, how Joseph was going to dismiss her quietly but didn't. How he was born in a manger, how the magi who followed a star to find the baby brought him gifts. Matthew gives an account of the Holy Family's escape to Egypt for a time. Then there's a brief account of Jesus' upbringing in Nazareth in Galilee to fulfill a prophecy that said he will be called a Nazarene. But all of it, all of it, in fact, is to fulfill prophecy about the coming Messiah, the genealogy, the birth, the magi, the escape, even the geographical locations, at least six times in the first three chapters of Matthew, we read about how Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. And then, just so that there is no mistaking who he is, out of the very mouth of God, the voice from heaven, this is my son, the beloved. Now, if I'm being repetitive here, it's only because I'm repeating the message that Matthew is trying to send us over and over. Jesus is the Messiah, God's own son, the beloved. And what does the tempter say? What does the voice in Jesus' mind say? If, if you're the son of God, just command these stones to become bread. And Matthew wants us to know that there is no if here. This is God's son. The question for Matthew is not, is he or isn't he? It's what kind of son of God will he be? So Jesus responds by quoting scripture. It's almost like he's reminding himself what he's made of. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm sorry, what? What word just came from the mouth of God? This is my son, the beloved. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up. And Jesus responds, Again, it's written, Don't put the Lord your God to the test. And then the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And finally, Jesus says, away with you, Satan. For it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve only God. So the first word in my mind is temptation because that's what Jesus encounters here. But a close second is that word righteousness. Because that's really what all of this is about. Righteousness is the opposite of sin. Righteousness is the antithesis of missing the mark. Righteousness is hitting the bullseye of exactly what God wants for us. And the thing 
that the voice of temptation seems to be drilling into Jesus' mind isn't just the stuff, the bread when he's hungry, or the power to command the angels, or the riches of the kingdoms. It's questioning who he is. If you're the Messiah, do this. If you're the Son of God, do that. But Matthew wants us to know that it's not, is he or isn't he? The voice of God says, this is my son, the beloved. So the question isn't, is he or isn't he? It's what kind of son of God will Jesus be? What sort of Messiah will he become? And with each test, Jesus hits the bullseye every time, showing us exactly what righteousness looks like. The thing is, we get tempted too. There's a little voice in us that compels us to do the things we may not want to do. Or maybe to do the things that, or maybe not to do the things that we know that we should do. And so perhaps the question for us is, what sort of followers of Jesus will we be? And what kind of Christians will we become? Amen. Thank you for listening with us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe. Or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Visit us at www.pcmorristown.org or find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook to stay connected with our church. But most of all, remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters.